Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Well, hey there, it's Zach, all the way from Chesapeake, Virginia. Creative Control happens to be my favorite podcast. I value Visha's insight and his ability to balance humor with in-depth conversation while occasionally dipping into serious topics. Regardless of whether I've heard of the guest or not, or however long Visha's known them, you really do get the feeling that the two of them have known each other for a long time, and I walk away from every episode feeling like I gained something. I think that's testament to how good of a journalist and conversationalist Visha is. He has a real skill of opening people up. I also enjoy the spicy and lighthearted ribbing Bish does with his guests from time to time. Oh, and while I have you, did you know that for just $6, you can subscribe to the Creative Control Patreon and get access to all kinds of bonus content? And for $10, Bish will mail you one of his t-shirts. And hey, that peach shirt is pretty cool. Anyway, enjoy the episode and do doodle do Oh, wait. Tim Midyet is an influential musician, songwriter, and singer based in his longtime home of Chicago, Illinois. Renowned for his work in the band Silkworm between 1987 and 2005, Midyet has been making wondrous music and other projects, including Bottomless Pit, Deep Tunnel Project, and Mint Mile, among others. On February 23, 2024, Comedy Minus One brings us Rough Rider, an excellent and moving new Mint Mile record, which prompted me to welcome Tim back to the show to talk about things like uh, making records both in his basement studio and at the more professional electrical audio facility, how the feel of a performance can be just as important as the sound of the recording, what may have inspired him to sing impassioned songs about love, sex, mortality, and society, a feeling that time is tight and that some of our cars and shoes 
might be the last ones we ever need. Eschewing social media one platform at a time, collaborating with great musicians including Joel R.L. Phelps and Nina Nastasia, conjuring Lou, Iggy, and Bowie, one fine day at Abbey Road, making new music, silkworm reissue plans, touring, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you, who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and tell your friends all about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control, which is the primary and most reliable way for podcasters like me to make a living making shows like this one. This is my primary source of income, and uh, if you can support me and my work at Patreon, please do. As we're speaking, there are monthly prize packs and other perks ad-free versions of the shows. You get them earlier than everybody else. Those sorts of things. More to learn at patreon.com slash creativecontrol. And thank you in in advance for your support of me and and this show. With additional support from Blackbird Music, great record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and also a pretty amazing website, blackbird.ca, which you can visit to order records and have them shipped directly to your house. Again, Maybe you want to order the new uh, Mint Mile record, Rough Rider. I would. It's amazing. I did, actually. And you can, too. Visit blackbird.ca for more information about how to do that. Plus, in-kind support from independent businesses like Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 840 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Tim Midget from Mint Mile with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, Tim, how's it going? It's going well. How are you, Vish? I'm well. It's nice to see you again and talk to you. It's been a little while. Uh, First of all, as uh, you may recall, I always ask people, where in the world are you, Tim? I am in Chicago, Illinois, where I usually am. That's where you usually are. How's it going? There? You know, it's it's going all right. (laughs) You know, it's a little warmer now and, uh, you know, yeah, we're, we're getting by. Okay, good. Yeah. Did you have a deep freeze? We had a crazy deep freeze here, like just bonkers. We did. It was not, um, well, yeah, yeah. It was like 25 below with wind chill. That's pretty cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then now we're getting, it's, we're, as I'm speaking to you, we're on the cusp of a freakish hot, like it's going to be like above zero here, which for those who like Celsius is warm. Yeah. So, yeah. Just wild swings. Anyway, yeah, that's a that's a weird thing. Uh, I see. Are you you got a little home studio thing going there? Yeah, this is my um, this is my lair in the basement where uh, the band practices, and uh, we do probably about well, we do a lot of demo recording down here, and then maybe about half of the records come out. Half oh, of cool. each record comes out of here because we can't beat it when we go into a, into the studio or whatever. 
Wow, that's, that's cool. What happens? It looks yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's the best band space I've ever had. That's for sure. So it's nice to be able to spread yeah. out a little bit. It's nice to have it in your home, isn't it? Some people like to separate their work from their home life, but uh, yeah, in your situation and mine, it's pretty handy to have it. Uh, you know, right there, isn't it? It is. It's nice for recording. Sometimes it's nice to go into the studio and have a little bit of time constraint. You know, because um, we started practicing after the pandemic after like a year and a half of not playing at all or really even seeing each other and uh, then we started just recording every practice you know in case we got like the magic take of some new song yeah <laughs> and uh there's stuff on the record our new record that's like you know the first time we ever played it and it just had the right feel or whatever but um you know you can also dork around with stuff endlessly when it's your when you have a home studio so that's that's kind of the drawback you have to edit edit yourself and not uh just keep fiddling around with things for all time i want to ask you about some of those impulsive performances you were just alluding to i guess so like the instinctual ones the ones that happen yeah. quick because yeah. uh, i want to say i i love this album so much i actually said it out loud to my wife as i had it playing during uh breakfast uh i've just oh, been listening to it nonstop, and the sound of it and uh, your vocals in particular, like I just, I find it really powerful. And oh, that's great. Yeah, the urgency of it just really gets to me. And it's um, it's one of these things where sometimes I come into these chats and I have a, an angle and, you know, I have some thoughts about it. And I have some, but it's a, mm-hmm. overall the feeling of it. Every song is brilliant, but the feeling of uh. it, it, it has a tonal, a holistic tonal thing for me. And I don't know, that's just me. That's just me listening to it. So I just, sorry, I, I'm word salad here. I just want to commend you. It's a beautiful album. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of that's, almost all of it's down to the band and the fact that those guys just play really great and are really sensitive musicians or insensitive, depending on what the situation calls for. And a lot of that is Matt Barnhart, too, who recorded everything. You know, he's great. And he um, we're kind of in sync in terms of, like, our ears and stuff and what what we want to get out of things and and we tried to, you know, there's ex- some extra stuff on the record, like keyboards and Greg Norman plays trumpet on it. And then there's strings on the record and stuff. But we tried not to glue those on top. You know, we tried to sort of um, uh, work it in with the record so it seemed like of a piece. But that's great to hear. I'm, I'm, I appreciate that. Oh, well, you're welcome. Yeah, the strings are powerful in their own way, but very well mixed. I, I, I It occurs to me that they're, Oh yeah, there's strings, but like they're not. Sometimes yeah, right. people when they're like, "Okay, got everything down. Now we bring in the horns <laughs> and we bring in the strings yeah. and you know, that costs a lot of money, so we should get our money's worth exactly. way up in the mix." That's what I was just going <laughs> to say. I paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it it gives it a real character as well. So, um I I started off saying I wanted to follow up on uh some of the songs you said sort of uh were laid down and those were the takes. Can you identify some of those just for my own interest before we get into some of the um, conceptual stuff about the songs and whatnot? Can you think of any yeah, examples? Th- yeah. I think the most um, radical one sort of was uh, that first song on the record, Sunbreaking, which is, it's good, and it's but it's first because it, it sounds a little funky compared to the other stuff. And um, the reason for that is it was just me and Barnhart and Jeff Panel who plays drums. It, for a long time, it was just us practicing because um, this is, pre-vaccine or whatever Mm -hmm. and justin has little kids who couldn't get the vaccine right away so he wasn't too keen on maybe bringing COVID home so um it was just the three of us playing for 
quite a while. And um, we did a much different sounding version of it. And then we kept thinking, well, you know, we'll get the real one later after Justin's in the mix. And then it just never quite felt right. And we literally did with just Jeff and me and at Electrical, you know, big fancy studio, big fancy drum kit, big fancy all these mics. <laughs> we did like 10 takes, you know, and, and we and it was on a computer. So you just keep going. And um, we listened to them all. And finally, I was like, Jeff here's the original one with just the drums. What do you think? And he's like, well, I want to say I don't like it as much because it doesn't sound as good, but that's the one, you know? So we just layered everything on top of that, which is very unusual. You know, normally we just kind of, the normal benefit of recording in the house is you hit it. Like there's a song, Halla clean on that record that we actually did at electrical in a little demo session with Steve Albini and that's on our band camp and stuff. But yeah, that version we just recorded cause we felt we just called it out and we had the, the stuff running and it turned out the way it turned out. And we're like, Oh, well that's the new version of it, I guess, you know, um, Jeff would have protested because of the probably I'm guessing, I'm guessing like the <laughs> technical playing of it, the performance. <laughs> no, no, not even that. Oh. It's just the, um, the um, way the drum sounded, you know, oh. cause electrical audio has these awesome drum rooms and stuff. So the drums are like <laughs> on the um, I see. electrical one. And then the one in my basement is like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, that was the, uh, that's the nice thing about being able to do that. The, the drawback is you can record everything. Mm. The benefit is you can record everything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? yes, we've talked. Like, I literally have a hundred hours of practice recording. So you know, there's a term for this, yeah. a clinical term that doctors use. I believe it's called demoitis. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, we had times in uh, in Silkworm uh, where we would be like, <laughs> I can't remember what the track was, but. Um, it was something that had kind of a gnarly sound to it. And we're like, man, I just don't feel like we're capturing the demo. So I made a CDR of the demo and brought it into the, the studio the next day. Cause we did the whole thing in electrical, whatever this record was. Yeah. And we listened back to it and it was like, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it just sounded like trash compared to what we were doing at, at the moment. We're like, Oh, I guess it was, uh, you know, misguided uh, memory mm. of, of what we thought maybe it sounded like and it. Uh, it doesn't sound like that at all. Well, but you and I both listen to enough uh, music that we know that uh, the fidelity or whatever is obviously important. But uh, for some reason, important. and I imagine Jeff is, <laughs> is you know, it, uh, it's like I don't mean to keep harping on Jeff's uh, perception of that song we were talking about. But no. he was talking about the sound of the drums and whatnot, or that's how you articulated it. But yeah. feeling, feeling is he knows. hard to articulate. Yeah. Like, it's hard to say... Like clearly, this sounds better, but this one makes me feel something yes. different. Yeah, and that's a real that can be an obstacle for artists and fans. Like, yeah, I love totally. this. Four, I love when that band only did four track recordings. Yeah, they switched to the studio, and now it's not the same. That's a feeling thing. If you is that what we're kind of talking about? Yeah, it it really matters, you know. Um, yeah, and we we are hundred percent feel like if it doesn't sound as good or the guitar, there's definitely stuff even on this record where. Uh, the mic wasn't quite in front of the guitar amp and it sounds a little weird or um, empty Island is another example off the record where it's like, that's a basement cut and we tried to beat it in the studio and we're like, it sounds better quote unquote, but it doesn't have the, 
vibe. And then sometimes you get the vibe in the studio and you lose it later. Like there's a song Brigadier on the record that I think turned out great, but something happened and we were just off a little bit. Last couple of times mm-hmm. we tried to play it. We're like, let's not play this anymore until we have a chance to like, <laughs> you know, play it for 15 minutes and practice sometime and get it back. But okay, that that's for us. That's really important just because a lot of it depends on Jeff and he's, he drives the bus, you know, in terms of, I always want to play stuff faster for some reason, and he's he just never goes with it, and he's always right. So yeah, I I find that the record, I mean, Sunbreaking, we were talking about, and it isn't a it, it does sound like an anomaly on the record to me. On the one hand, because it feels mm, poppy, mm-hmm. like very very poppy, and yeah. I I will I will clumsily probably drop in some influences that i've heard i'm not saying you can no, correct me or 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 suggest uh no way in hell would i have listened to 80s rem and then came up with sunbreaking or whatever like i just there's things that have floating around in my head you know certainly lou reed comes to mind uh for me on a few oh, yeah, sure. a few few yeah. bowie uh iggy yeah. pop like i'm hearing those things more but do you think overall like i just find like I mentioned the tone, it's not necessarily a bright and sunny tone overall, this record, mm-hmm. but it's infectious. And do you feel yeah. like, did you feel that? Like it's a poppier sort of expression for you? I feel like um, the last album was sort of more ruminative and a little bit grim uh, or something. I mean, there are moments like that on it. This record seems sort of more like I don't know, passionate for lack of a better word, or something. impassioned is a yeah. word I thought of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't generally think of that stuff at all when we're doing things, but on some level, when you're curating something for an album, if you're going to contrast stuff, you do it thoughtfully. You don't want it to be too herky jerky, you know. And this record just seemed like it. These songs in particular, there's good stuff we left off the album because it just didn't have the, the right feel overall. It didn't contribute yeah. to it, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I felt like it, all this stuff hung together really well and it it kind of painted a picture that I liked. So that's really what it came down to. Well, your voice, I mentioned earlier, like I'm really drawn to your vocals and there's some, there's some moments where I think, is it Brigadier where it starts with you singing? Like, and then the band kicks in. Yeah. That's a, that's a choice. That's a choice. I think that either. I don't know. When I hear things like that, where uh, it's not a cappella necessarily, but when a, a band drops out and a vocal is prominent or on its own, I'm like, yeah. oh, there's something intrinsically like they're trying to communicate clearly mm-hmm. um, something that without the band clattering around. Do you? Yeah. And 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 as I go through these lyrics, like I'm, I hear the passion. It feels devotional in the sense that I feel like you're there's some love songs in here, but then mm-hmm. there's carnality like it feels a little like like i'm i'm picturing <laughs> yeah. bodies and and you know Good. these sorts of things am i on the right track with some of where you were coming from yeah here? well that name rough rider of the record is like it's a second record we've named after uh, obliquely not totally on purpose after a brand of condom so right. lifestyle <laughs> lifestyle by silkworm we were well aware of lifestyles condoms when we named it and then Rough Rider is a specialty uh, device. I see. Uh, as as I understand, I haven't, you know, myself um, <laughs> managed to pick any of those up. But it has this kind of multi-layered meaning depending on if it's cultural slang, 
of various kinds. You can go on Urban Dictionary if you want. Or, you know, it's also just literally someone who rides wild horses and breaks horses. So We, um, we have, a, as you may know, Tim, because I know you follow Canada and it's yeah. uh, comings and goings really closely. We have yeah. our own alternate universe football league called the Canadian yep. Football League. And totally. there is or was, I don't follow that closely. It's really big out here in Western Canada, by the way. Yeah. And on, in Ontario, I don't think I've ever had a conversation or... There are houses in my neighborhood fully outfitted with the Edmonton teams, like colors. Like it's really serious here. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know yeah. anything. My point being, yeah. there is or was, uh, there, I think there were two teams potentially called the yeah. Rough Riders, the Ottawa yeah. Rough Riders yeah, and the totally, yeah. Saskatchewan. I think I'm again, mm-hmm. I should know more. I'm being a bad Canadian. That's what yeah. I thought of right away. Football. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it, good. Yeah. That's fine. So we got football, I mean, condoms, rodeos, so something various, very various, sort of manly, uh, manly. It's like a manly name in a weird way. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, depends on, depends. It could really be anyone, you know, anyone could break a horse. So, so back to <laughs> my, whatever. back to my earnest line of questioning, what are you trying to communicate as clearly as you can to us as listeners and potentially to your muse here? Because it feels very purposeful. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'm aware of, and you can't let this get in your head if you're going to, you can make good art and be like kind of overly self-critical and you can definitely make bad art and be fearless. But I think if you really want to make something that's going to last for a long time, you have to be kind of fearless. So you have to go into stuff that might be uncomfortable to share with other people, you know, and not cloak it too much, you know, because if you, I, I don't, I'm not overly specific about stuff, but like all the things you're picking up on, that's all in there, you yeah. know? And, um, I think a lot of it just has to do with getting older and, um, realizing what matters in life is, um, all you take with you, you know, is experience. Well, you don't take it with you, but all, all you accumulate that's really valuable is just what you feel, you know, yeah. and what you experience with other people generally. Yeah. And that includes all kinds of stuff, you know, and sometimes it goes awry or sometimes it's sad or bad, but, um, you know, in general, like the best things you, you come across in life are, you know, moments of experience, whether it's eating something really amazing or sex or whatever it is. So. Yeah. And people always compare things to sex for a reason because, you know, that's like the one thing in life where you can, and that's really what sunbreaking is about. You know, it's about, you mentioned that song, you mentioned REM, there's that song, Night Swimming. Yeah. Same title format, Cloud Busting by Kate Bush, same title format. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if if the the first song came after the latter song for a reason, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he took that title off her because... She's really, she's like the king or queen of essaying that kind of experiential thing, you know, the importance of like physical love and stuff in your, in your life. And, uh, it's a little bit different when Kate Bush does it than when, you know, a 55 year old guy from Chicago does it, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to go ahead and get into that. Not too oblique, I don't think on that tune, but there's also a long part about how basically we're all going to die, you know, and, and that's intertwined in the whole thing, you know, 
Um, well, and, and I and I will say that I I pick up on little bits of humor when you when you write about <laughs> sex or express, you know, Rough Rider. That's a double entendre, yeah. and for me, it's like I say, I connected more with sports than yeah. Con- condoms, uh, but yeah. uh, <laughs> maybe you should. It's all maybe I, I want it all to yeah. be. Yeah, I gotta. You know what? In general, I gotta get out more. I feel like that's the. <laughs> that's why I have you on the line here, Tim, to right. push me out of my shells. But right. there's humor here. Uh, one of my favorite exclamations, and again, I'm just gonna reference something here to make sure. Uh, of course, I lost it on this computer full of stuff. There's a line here in uh, Brigadier that made me chuckle. Mm-hmm. Get it on. With limitations. <laughs> that yeah. to me is a nice encapsulation yeah, of yeah. being horned up, but being, o- <laughs> but being older. And is yeah. that a, is that an incorrect interpretation? Uh, that song is sort of, it has all of that stuff in it. And then I wanted to kind of, um, the thing that inspired me to write that song actually was when the U.S. withdrew from Afghanistan and there was this war correspondent guy. I won't name him because he's probably good at his job or whatever, but he was distraught. But my sense was he was distraught that he wasn't going to get to cover a war anymore, you know, and um, the whole industry of um, war entertainment has always been really fascinating and horrifying to me because it's such it's like the absolute worst thing we do to each other. And it's like this like it it, it is like a sporting event, you know, or whatever the way that it gets covered. So I started writing it like that about this guy who was just like. But then it morphed into, you know, this physical relationship, like kind of sexual attraction or whatever to sensual desire for war, for conflict or for whatever. And then the song kind of spread out and became whatever it's about now. I don't really know. But I think it's about all that stuff. And um, Get It On With Limitations just came out one day and I thought I thought it was funny, too. And um <laughs> Well, when you, th- for people who haven't I heard it yet, it fits for everything. It fits for sex. It fits yeah. for. It definitely fits for fighting. You know, there's this there's this game that we play about, um, like all this shit happening in Gaza and stuff. You know, that there's rules. You know, to war. Oh yeah. well, they shouldn't be doing. Well, what do you mean they should be doing that? But they can do the rest of it. You know. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so there's not. It's not simply a one dimensional. Sex I think it album. can be it's, any. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but you know, you know, maybe. Um, but um, it's got a, a bunch of stuff in there, and I think that, I think that we sublimate. Um, not to get too, I don't know which is this Jung or Freud, <laughs> probably Freud. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I think we sublimate a lot of our urges and desires and put them into other things. You know. We put them watching into, sports, for example, watching, like, yeah, I, definitely football. Are you kidding? Like, um, the, the, the recent sexualization of football has been really fascinating to me as someone who, yeah, uh, I don't really make a big deal about how much I watch. My kids are like, you're like my wife and my kids right now. You're like, why are you watching so much football? You don't like football. I'm like, kind of do like yeah, NFL same. football. I'm sorry. Same. Like, I know it's problematic and it's gross. There's lots of issues and the yeah. league sucks and all these things. Right. But there's something about the beauty of that game. And yeah. I mean, my son's thing is like, if you never asked me to play football or whatever, or suggested it to me, I guess. So I don't know what the right word is because he likes mm-hmm. to play basketball. We bond over basketball. And I think he's like, wait a minute, you're cheating on me. You never <laughs> told me we could like football. I don't like football. Why do you like football? Like that's yeah. the sort of subtext. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, I've been following it 
obviously with the Taylor Swift stuff as we're speaking, yeah, and 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 the the relationship with Kelsey, it's gotten this. I don't know. I don't recall a football season having that zazz of like a couple. It happens from time to time. Brady yeah. and uh, his yeah. wife uh, now divorced, and right. uh, Jessica Simpson. There's always some person, some right. woman, but but and and it, and it it creates this tension and 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 unfortunately. I don't know what it is, but something about the demographic in football. Maybe it's because they're all dudes. There's always this Yoko Ono component that comes up, and then it oh, gets yeah, really, sure, yeah. really shitty. And no, that's well, why you know you what? It. It's because yeah. there. It's because it's an intrusion, right? Oh. Like I have the same uh, attraction to football, and there are a couple teams I follow. I follow the Packers. I follow the Steelers. You know, uh, fairly rapidly. But um, you know, do I think it's a good idea? you know, to football in general, like given what it does to people when they play it, I can't really defend it. You know, it's like fireworks or something like that. I guess. It's indefensible. You know, I, I, yeah. yeah. I can't, I can't yeah. defend it. I can't defend. It's like fireworks or cigars or Steely Dan or whatever. Like I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't come up with a, a defense and I don't care to defend it. It just is what it is. And there's something about it that gets you, you know? Yeah. It's weird. But I, do, because- I think for dudes, it's a sublimated thing where it's like, it's almost like a carnal kind of outlet, you know, where it's that's like, what I was getting at. Yeah. It's like, ah, yeah. Physical. These, you know, these guys and smashing into each other. You don't have to read too much into it, you know, to get, no, it's to get very, there. very physical. Uh, yeah. it's, t- it's tellingly one of the few sports that is North American based. I mean, Canada and America, I can't do yeah. people play football anywhere else. I don't think so. No, um, really, no. some, some there that I don't really know how to, delve into exactly but yeah there was a joke that somebody made on twitter many years ago about how like it's weird that the sport that requires everyone to wear motorcycle helmets isn't catching on around the world you know (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i related to that i'm like it is a fundamentally dumb but beautiful sport and and it's interesting watching it with non-fans because they're like yeah. Hut, hut, hut. And then they just, they're like, so they just run into each other? Like, what is and this game? And then there's game? a big delay before the next thing happens. Yeah, like, what is this? And, like, yeah, I'm riveted. basketball. Yeah, yeah, basketball, soccer, hockey. There's constant movement. Baseball, there's this whole field thing, and things are shifting. It's subtle. Happens slowly. But oh, at yeah. any moment in baseball, something can happen that, that defines the entire game. and Or something you've never seen before. Football is, like, just pure. It's war, you know? It's like writ small um yeah. it's like a microcosm of war and that aspect of it is what's appealing in part you know and also like i said just the raw brute physicality of it you know and yeah. and you don't have to you don't you don't have to like get off on it in a sexual way for that to still be part of the appeal of it you know the raw physical quality of it so there's something really um yeah, there's something interesting about the the game on that front, and I'm sure other people have written about it, you know, eloquently somewhere. Yeah, no, I, I hear you there. So, do you have a sense uh, of wh- where or why, rather, you chose to write a batch of songs with this loose or, I guess, multi layered concept of connection with people and communicating and and uh, and actually, you know, I think love, yeah. And, Sex, like where, why? I think you hinted at it, like you're at an age maybe where this is coming to light. But do you? Well, have a- I, I think the age thing is mostly, um, 
and I don't second guess myself. I like promised myself very early on when I started doing this when I was a kid, just do it. You know, don't think about it. If it ends, if you end up being embarrassed by it later, whatever, but you know, you have to just kind of put it out there no matter what, even if it makes you kind of uncomfortable. So no, the age thing would be more like, if you really want to hear me, you know, someone like me, like, you know, Get get into this stuff. And it's you, very you, ar- it's very artful, by the way, for anyone good, listening. Like it, it is abstract enough. Yeah, I, I I have listened to this record fifty <laughs> yeah. times, and so right. it's sinking into my head in a yeah. way that things are popping out for me. But it's a very artfully. It's not too like water or something. It's not watermelon sugar or uh, <laughs> yes yes w- or it's WAP. Nothing, <laughs> it's definitely not WAP, but yeah, but it has yeah. this like. And then we have, we have to talk about Nina's Nastasia's appearance as well. Like that shifts at right. the end of the album. You're like, oh, we're in a different universe all of a sudden. But it's That's similar. The idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Tim. But yeah, I just wanted to interject to say it's not in your face for anyone who hasn't encountered the record yet. It is yeah. really beautiful, but the passion is evident in the vocal, which I don't want yeah. to lose track of. I want to ask you about your yeah. singing on this record in particular when we get there, but. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Do you want to finish your thought there about where? You, no, yeah. um, I think the only other thing was, I mean, I think some of it maybe came out of the, um, well, definitely came out of being in lockdown and stuff during the pandemic, you know, because um, I had this one day where I w- went out and it was not, it was pre-vax, but late-ish in things. And I went to like the frame store and I went to the grocery store. Like my wife had done most of the grocery shopping and stuff during the whole time. So I hadn't been out a ton, but I went to like three different places and I just had this revelation like, oh, this is society. Like you think um, your friends are your your society, you know, your, your, the people you hang with or, or the you know, whatever. And I realized, no, it's the guy at the frame shop that I talked to for two minutes, you know, while I'm dropping off the frame or the people at the grocery store who ask you if you want a bag, like that's human. That's, that's your, your life, you know, is, uh, having these little connections with people. So I think that that definitely fed into it, wanting to, um, think about like, what does it mean to be a person, what makes life worth living, you know? And I think it is other people, you know, fundamentally for me, it's other people. And, um, I think anybody I really like who's like my age or younger, uh, for sure appreciates like the duality of humankind. You know, the fact that, um, we do, we make each other's lives worth living, but at the same time we brutalize each other and and are terrible to each other sometimes. So, that's always something I've been interested in and and thought about and, you know, been fascinated by it to varying degrees. So that's probably in there too somewhere. But Well, you earlier you alluded to this line in um, Sunbreaking, which is, uh, but you know we're all going to die someday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, coming, out of, coming from a pandemic era record, uh, it has a certain weight to it, but that's a really, it's an interesting sentence in this song for me because it does make us all relatable. We are all going to die. No one yeah. can outrun that. But we are also, we have been faced for many years uh, prior to this pandemic because of whatever else is going on in terms of climate 
mm-hmm. situations like that in Gaza right now. Time is really finite, but I think that notion has been really heightened for everyone, for those who want to pay attention to that. I think it I is. I think yeah. what I'm seeing now is still a lot of people's heads in the sand about the reality of things, and I get tagged to be a bummer for even wanting to talk about it with people like you. <laughs> yeah, but I do think when I read lyrics and I hear from artists who I admire and they're expressing themselves, yeah, I'm obviously bringing my slant to it. But when someone says this in a song about things we have in common, ways we connect, yeah, you know, yeah. we're all born, we all die, we all love if we are lucky, and right. and we lose love, and and these sorts of things. And time is tight; time is shorter than we maybe think. Yeah, I mean, that's it, that's something you become acutely aware of when you're. I'm 55, so it's like, um, you know, I, I, I was thinking about our car the other day. It doesn't have that many miles on it. It's like you know, five years old or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this one might, I could probably ride this car out till, <laughs> you know, I don't know this when. This <laughs> car might outlive me. Did you have that thought? This car might outlive me. I don't think me. it'll outlive me, but I've, you know, I've done stuff like looked at my shoes and been like, yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty set. <laughs> I, I, I think, you, you, you're looking at things like this could be the last pair of shoes <laughs> I'm like, I, I own? I, I, well, you know, I'm like, I think I could run the, this collection of shoes out to the end. I mean, wow. my, my blundstones aren't going to wear out before I die. Probably, you know, that's true. Um, They're hardy shoes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's something that you do. Um, the funny thing is like looking back on it, you know, we started writing like certainly Joel Phelps and Silkworm was writing about sex and death in like 1985, you know, when you we were sure. kids yeah. and, and we all did that. Cause that's, those are two of the big topics of all time, you know, of course. And you just gravitate towards that. Cause you think about stuff like that. But, um, a lot of that writing I think was actually pretty, pretty good. You know, it was pretty on target. It was pretty trenchant, like having lost a lot of people since yeah. then and having had a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of years under, our belts in, in other mm. ways. I think it was pretty accurate, you know? So, um, I think that the pandemic had a lot to do with it just being at this point in my life and having the perspective I have on that stuff really matters. And you also go through a period, most of us in middle age where you work a lot, you know, all the time. And, uh, that seems like the most important thing in the world to you. And then at a certain point you're like, I don't think yeah. I'm really going to remember this. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, yeah, deeply yeah. at the end. Not like I don't need to do it to make money and and have a life, but um, uh, have the life that I want. Not not be uh, penny pinching, but um, I don't but think you're probably going to remember making Rough Rider more than the work assignment. I'm going to remember play. playing in this band a lot more vividly. Yeah. And there's a lot of other stuff that I'll remember a lot more vividly too. You yeah. know. Because yeah. that stuff really mattered, and I think that's what so a lot of the record is about. That you know, yeah. it's about what is it in life that um, captures you completely, you know, so that you're not distracted. You're not trying to do more than one thing at a time. You're 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 lost in 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 something. Yeah. And um, I don't think. I mean, there's some art that really does that, and it, it ten, that tends to be stuff that really gets me. You know, yeah. Um, like I don't know, Astral Weeks or a record like that. You know, that this is weird. Just... Astral Weeks keeps coming up on the show. I don't understand. Oh, well, really? I brought. Well, sorry, I, I Jay Mascus was on the show recently, and that day that we did the taping, 
I ended up on a text thread with two friends who were like, who had no, who had the, uh, who had more like uh, 10 rated albums, like uh, whatever, five star number 10 rated albums, Dylan or Van Morrison? Yeah. And yeah. my one friend was like, it's Van Morrison. And me and my other friend were like, what? Yeah. What do we, what has yeah. he got? He's got Astro Weeks. Yeah. I said Moondance. Yeah. And I then so. I brought it up to Damascus and he's like, no, Astro Weeks, that's it. Yeah. I, I, I think Astro Weeks, Moondance, St. Dominic's Preview, his band yeah. in the street choir, Too Late to Stop Now, great record. Um, yeah. Veed and Fleece is great. And e- even his like minor records, like Hard Knows the Highway and stuff, is like a really odd record. I still like it. Yeah, but with Dylan, it's like, how many? There's a no. million. Like, yeah, he's a genius. I, yeah. It's not fair. It's not a fair comparison. <laughs> no, it's, but it's, anyway, it's, it's just weird that it keeps coming yeah. up. So, yeah. Van the Man. Yeah. <laughs> but you know that 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 record is a tot- uh, that record's totemic. You know that yeah. for me at least that record is it's a it's a oh it's Astro like, Weeks, it's like mean. the yeah, first yeah, yeah. John Lennon solo record. It's a it's a almost like a fluky record. How great it is, you know? Yeah, as, as good as yeah. those guys are or whatever. But yeah, no, the Plastic Ono Band record is unreal. It doesn't even yeah, it's, it's magic, bonkers. and it only happened yeah. once, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I agree. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to Creative Control, as always. Uh, As you may have heard me mention, I recently lost my day job, and I've had a few conversations with people since who've said, "Uh, you had a day job? I thought your podcast was your day job. When I explained why it hasn't been my day job to a friend, he suggested I should share some of this information with people like you listening right now. So, in short, unless they have some giant exclusive million-dollar contract, podcasters are not paid to make stuff by companies like Apple and Spotify. Podcasters do not make any money from streaming royalties. Ad revenue is dependent on a certain threshold of downloads each month, and even if your show is accessed 30,000 times a month, the income you get is actually really minimal. So podcasters like me usually make time in our lives to support our communities and our interests to make these shows, and our most reliable source of income for this work is, in fact, crowdfunding. In my case, it's my Patreon. So if you'd like to receive ad-free episodes earlier than everyone else, regular newsletters and blog posts, bonus audio content, and support my work, quite literally, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Earlier, you were talking about uh, society 
Maybe. Entering society again after some period away from it. I think I like how you said that. It, made, it made, just made me think of being in a punk band, just railing against society. There's this great <laughs> well, no, band you, you, in Missoula. There's this great <laughs> band in Missoula that they, they were a good band called Who Killed Society, which I thought was like the greatest name for a punk band of all time. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. my point being, uh, I think of you sometimes as I navigate um, these social media platforms because you come to mind as someone who has said, Facebook. I'm out. Yeah. Twitter, I'm out. Like yeah. you reach a yeah. point, yeah. it yeah. seems to me, you've reached yeah. points in your life where you're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm yeah. out of these things. Yeah. That is also, unfortunately, a reflection of society. And we are very fractured. Mm. And I don't mm. want to go on too much of a tangent. I don't know if any of this is swimming around on your record per se. Maybe you'll draw connections that I haven't. Yeah. Can you talk about your relationship with public interaction in our yeah. various online public squares versus what you were talking about before sure um yeah there's just uh there's a song giving love on the on ambertron it has a bunch of stuff at the end about basically like getting lost in your fucking phone and like missing the real story of life you know and i think i think people probably do and there's always something i remember when tv was called the boob tube and it was gonna like ruin your life or whatever right yeah so um we basically we haven't learned how to use the internet yet i don't think probably but um Hmm. yeah there's this there's this weird inflection point where this shit seems fun and stuff for a while and then you it's just being co it's you just realize you're being co-opted you know and that's part of it you know facebook is psyops you know that's what yeah. it is i mean 100 yeah. and even inst- i still use instagram which is a little more benign because it tends to invite less um bloviating about things but it's usually just pictures of you know cats or whatever but um <laughs> it's still it's the same thing fundamentally and twitter certainly you know it's just it's a it's an experiment and you're the experiment and um at a certain point you, even though I always kind of knew it, you feel like you're navigating it, but then at a certain point you realize no. Hmm. And, and even if I am navigating it, there's not enough here to do. I've even found that with this new, like this blue sky thing that I, I'm on that blue sky. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And it's, it's fine when it started, it was pretty good. Now I feel like it's just people bitching about stuff like constantly. <laughs> I think everyone, uh, a you bunch know? of us on the new things are mad. We had to be on the new things. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But it's, and it's also people just getting upset about this stuff. That's kind of niche, like, um, or even if it's meaningful, like why isn't Biden talking about this or that? Or uh, there was one the other day. I was like, I haven't even seen this movie, but I can already tell it's bad because blah blah blah. And then a bunch of people weigh in about why it must be bad. No one's seen it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, uh, no, I, it's a, it's a time suck and whatnot. I still yeah. am clinging to the notion that, in terms of people I follow and information I gather, there's a bit more of an. I don't mean to make myself sound lofty in this because I'm not that bright, right. but I feel like there's an intellectual aspect to Twitter. In particular, like, yeah, you really have to be mindful of all the bullshit now. But they're the people yeah. that I think are legitimate people and providing legitimate information, right, are still really valuable to me in an age where I don't like look at the coverage of Gaza or mm-hmm. the pandemic. Like, you don't get any; they ignore it. Yeah, I feel like in your country there was recently a protest with like four hundred thousand people. 
not one outlet covering it. Not one yeah. outlet covering yeah. the protest, demanding a ceasefire. And that's insane. Like, yeah. not even a bit. Like, uh, by the mm-hmm. way, these people are in Washington or whatever. Like, nothing. Just ignoring it because it's too complicated for, or whatever. I don't even, that's bullshit. They have their agendas. My point is, yeah. Twitter still feels, and I think it's because I, it's curated in such a way for me, mm-hmm. more than Blue Sky or whatever, threads, all these things. Yeah. I just feel like I feel still more knowledgeable about what's actually going on yeah. thanks to the perseverance of people who are like, this fucking guy is trying to get rid of us all. Fuck yeah. him. He's making yeah. it worse and worse every week. Right. We're, we're hanging in here. Right. And right. maybe something will happen to him. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so, yeah. No, that's that's a fair, fair play. Survival. Survival play. Um, yeah. For me, I just... I didn't miss Facebook for a day after I stopped looking at it. And uh, that's the same thing happened with Twitter. Like, I was just like, I'm a relatively curious person. So, but I don't know. I guess I started, mostly I just got fed up, you know. In well, the case it's, a, of it's Facebook, it was yeah. In the case of Facebook, it was this forced placement of this anti-trans movie mm-hmm. thing. And you couldn't get rid of it. And you couldn't block it. And I was like, you know, fuck this. Like, I don't, yeah. I'm not going to take part in this anymore. But, um... Also, I th- I just think like you think you're curious, but it's it's like playing on your curiosity. It's kind of like taking advantage of your curiosity in a way that's um, kind of pernicious. I think, and I think it affects people's moods for sure. I mean, the whole doom scrolling thing—that's a real that's a real thing. And to tie it back to what you were talking about earlier with the whole "we're all going to die someday" thing, my feeling about that is that that's a universal truth and it's been the truth from back a long time ago yeah we died a lot earlier a long time ago than we died (laughs) generally so um you know i think that there are things that are universal truths and that's one of them and the fact that we're going to brutalize each other large in ways large and small yeah the fact that we're going to make each other's lives worth living absolutely for sure and i think being in touch with that Reality for me, at least, it makes it a little bit less. The stuff, that, stuff, specific stuff that's going on now doesn't seem as novel, you know. Even yeah. the pandemic or whatever. Yeah, I mean, shit happens, you know. Yeah, that it's not like it's never happened before. So, no, and it's hyper mediated. So this yes. real, and depending on your source for that information and the media you engage with, it's a different thing. Yeah, like that's the crazy. Like these things that are. I don't know. I'm a logical person. I try to be. So mm-hmm. I don't see nuance. I, I don't know. There's just forced nuance because of the fracturing of and, and people's like, well, that's just your opinion. I'm like, it's not an opinion. <laughs> These are real things that are happening. Like, yeah, you can't yeah, just be yeah. like, that's just what you think. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to do this. Like, no, like, that's where I'm at with it. And right. I do think the things we're talking about, the platforms that we're talking about are making some people feel more informed than they are. Myself included, probably, but I just feel like yes. if you're not all on the same page, literally, about what the information is, how are we going to have a society? How are we going to go into the framing store and not have a weird... I went to the framing store yesterday to pick up a couple pieces, as a matter of fact, <laughs> and we talked about organic farming yeah, and rege- yeah. regenerative agriculture. It was great. I didn't yeah. know these guys. I didn't know the couple that run the store would talk yeah. to me about that. I just wanted to pick up my... My pictures. Yeah. I <laughs> but, guess uh, one of the things that's interesting to me about the whole Twitter, Facebook, whatever thing is that there are books out there in the world and they're 
you know, pretty long, most of them. They're like 100, some 200, 300, 400, 800 pages or whatever. And mm-hmm. you can read that thing over the span of time and accumulate knowledge as you're reading it. And in the end, there's a conclusion and you have, you know, whether or not you remember everything in it or not, you've had the experience of like delving into something and exploring yeah. it and, and, ha- and being guided through it, right? Yeah. And the whole bite size deal is no replacement for it. Like, it's not a replacement. Scale that down to news articles. You know, if you read a long-form news article about um, some EPA disaster in the, you know, in rural America or whatever, there's a lot of suffering and a lot of a lot of detail and a lot of um, fighting and 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 trying to make things better and stuff that you get a real. Uh, you actually know, you have some idea what it feels like and what's at stake for people. And then if you read a soundbite or you watch a 30-second video of it, it's just not the same uh, deal. And it's not like I'm doing some kind of huge amount of research or whatever. I just think that there's like a... Hmm, that's interesting. It's a, it's a cheaper experience, you know what I mean? It demands less, n- almost nothing of you to take part there's in. No, there's no narrative arc to doom scrolling, I guess is what you're saying. No. There's no, There's no like... No. structured outline of like you're going to an act structure no. basically a news article no. has a very organized flow to it a beginning middle end kind of thing whereas yeah. you're right the other media most of the media we tend or some people consume there's no resolution to it you could literally doom scroll for the rest of your life yeah it's not just the rest of the day you would never end it's endless yeah. so yeah. it's a maw yeah. that's a really interesting point that I hadn't thought <laughs> exactly. of exactly so it's for- a maw that's yeah. a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, I want to get back to this record in the time we have because oh, yes. uh, we haven't talked about Nina. We haven't talked about Joel. I want to get to those uh, inclusions. I I will say uh, in a perfunctory way, Joel's uh, horns are amazing. And I, yeah. I can't wait to talk about that. They stick out and yeah. carry these songs. I asked you earlier about your vocal approach. Mm-hmm. I alluded to some influences that I hear. Sure. Uh, and I wonder if in a... Overarching sense, do you feel like you've distinguished yourself as a vocalist on this record compared to maybe other works hmm. you've done? You know, I definitely, um, there were a couple songs where I'm like, oh, I got to step my shit up here a little bit. Like, especially those two songs Joel played on because hor- the horn is so closely related to a voice. And I can tell the whole story about how I got Joel to play on the record if you want. We can talk um, about that absolutely, and I don't. I don't mean to cut you off. I, whatever yeah. you want to talk about, obviously, but right. uh, I just I keep saying yeah. I want to ask you about your singing, and I don't do it. It was so, so wanna... <laughs> it, his 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 playing was so great on those songs. I was like, what I'm doing was okay, but now I have to like, I have to try to compete, you know, because. Because otherwise it's just going to be like, burp, 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 burp. and then there's this like massive, you know, eight saxophone thing that comes in and and does what I was trying to do better than I was doing it. So I felt pushed by that, and that was really good. I think I did feel like I don't know. I feel like I'm getting better at that stuff at singing. You know, in the old days we would just crap it out in like one take, and that's what you had to live with for the rest of your life. And um, you know, that was fine. There's an immediacy to that that I find kind of charming going back and listening to it now. Yeah. But I don't I don't think now I don't feel like I belabor it. I just have to get it's all about feel, like I was talking about before. Like I do most of it, I sing into this mic here through everything I'm going through now with mm-hmm. audio. And um I just do it in the basement until I get it, you know. Or if I do it in 
at electrical, it's usually one or two takes because it sounds great in there, and I've got it. Wor- I've got it worked out because I did that work down here, to right? Get it, to figure it out. But for me, a lot of it's phrasing. Yeah, it's not a purely technical exercise. I but I it ha- things have to happen at the right spot so they don't stomp on the drums and and they get through. You know, the words get through. And you mentioned Lou Reed, like you know, he's he. <laughs> if you listen to the way he did some of those Velvet Underground songs later in his his career, he would kind of destroy them sometimes. But he was sort of, <laughs> to, to my mind, but he was trying to do something else with it. You know, he didn't, he wasn't just following the same old roadmap. In general, though, he was a genius at, at getting it to work, you know. Um, and I feel like you're being really thoughtful about your uh, attack on every song. Like, it's really a dynamic vocal performance throughout the Good. record if i may like you're oh, cool you're either singing you can sing tenderly you can exclaim every once in a while you can speak mm-hmm. sing and to me it all just gets to me and Good. uh Good. and so i just want to commend you on it and i i wanted to ask about it because i don't know if you're fans of some of the people i've cited um mm-hmm. Particularly that sort of uh, Iggy Lou Bowie triumvirate. Well, there's but, Iggy uh, back there in my back I, door. I That's, see, I see yeah. Iggy there, and there not are one moments. of his better records, but it's good. <laughs> it's blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know if they. It's. I know you're yeah. a big fan of uh, and a student, I suppose, of music. So I mm. don't mean to pick those three out of uh, out of thin air, but I think between Joel's horns and um, and and just some of the uh, overall sonics of the record, it just takes me to them. It takes me to those guys a little bit. Good. Yeah. Well, I love, um, I mean, Lou Reed's one of my load stars in music for sure. Neil Young. I don't know where the Bowie stuff comes from, except that I, I know what you're talking about. We started playing wild as the wind, uh, in the basement sometimes. And, uh, we do it sort of based on his version of it off Station to Station, which is my favorite record of his. Yeah. So I've listened to that record a couple... That must be what it is. I hadn't really thought about it. I listened to Station to Station a couple times in um, in that song in particular in recent months. And honestly, that song, I think, had an influence on this record now that I think about it. Because I listened to his version and I listened to Nina Simone's version. And there's something very... Um, florid but also it's not um overly romantic in a exaggerated way it's very personal that song it's a great great song and our version of it was fine but you know she wasn't going to put on the record maybe that would seem too on the nose or something (laughs) well by the way like as i say it's really dynamic record but i think the song that probably sparked the bowie thing for me is probably empty island does that make sense yeah maybe yeah maybe yeah (laughs) There's yeah. just something about it. the way it starts with just like a lone guitar and then everything kicks in. It, yeah. I don't know. It just takes me back to, to him a little bit. And again, I, it's not that, it's not a heavy handed thing, everyone listening. Like it's just something I'm obviously, this is my listening experience. No, that's so. high compliments, all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Much appreciated. Anyway, I, I just want to say like your vocals are a driving, it's, it's a, it's one of the most memorable aspects of this record for me is oh, just good. your, your phrasing and your singing. And uh, that's not always the case. People mix berry things and whatnot, and it feels well, like you are, you've got it prominent, and you had things to say, and you wanted to make sure we heard them. You know, early um, when I was talking about doing one or two vocal takes, we would always bury the vocals because that was we were recording with Steve, and Steve, especially at that time, didn't give a shit about singing. You know, so and we 
saying, you know, we didn't even have a PA in any of our practice spaces for like 20 years. You know, you sang through whatever. You're talking silkworm times right now? Yeah, silkworm. Or, you know, I think once we got to a bottomless pit, we started spending more time on that stuff. But yeah, and latter so latter day silkworm, the last three or four silkworm records. But um, you know, you you always mixed it down just because that was what you did, I guess. It's the but evolution now, of a. I feel like we talked about this when you were all on the show at one point. Yeah. Uh, I think confidence, uh, you know, coming from post hardcore myself. Yeah. And we would scream uh at concerts when we played, and then when we got to a recording place, we're like, no, no, lower that. <laughs> it's just a, it's a texture. It's like you can't yeah. even make out what we're saying sometimes yeah, totally. without the lyric sheet. And I think it's interesting that as you get more seasoned uh, as a musician, you just get more confident. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, I, I actually want this up a bit. I'd like yeah. the, I'd like the instrument or the singing to be up. I I want people to. I'm less frightened of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Well, and also Sorry. I don't have to be comfortable with it. Really, I think as long as it works. Yeah. It's okay if it's not, if I'm not 100% on board with it being as loud as it is. I want it to be, you know, why bother, you know, putting yeah. lyrics on it if you're not going to. No, I, and audible. that's it. Like, I love your yeah. lyrics too. I, I maybe didn't get into that as much, but we've hinted at a couple of things. So I'm glad everything's uh, prominent in the mix and uh, they really do carry the songs forward in, in so many ways. Uh, I do want to yeah. ask about. Joel, who I alluded to, and then uh, Nita's inclusion as well, yeah. which is like a, it's like a, like I said, you mentioned Neil Young, that song in particular feels more like a stray gator, whatever, it just is closer to like a, a yeah. Neil Young vibe for me there. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, let's start with Joel. Yeah. This is a monumental thing for those of us who follow uh, Silkworm. Yeah. Uh, talk about, talk about having him on the record. Well, I love Joel and I've always loved him and, uh, you know, when he had left the band, when he left Silkworm, things were rough between us for a while, but we still loved each other and that's persisted through all these years and they didn't stay that way for too terribly long. But I probably learned more about music from him than anyone else I've ever known personally. I think that's almost for sure true because he's yeah. such a great musician, but as good as he is at singing and playing guitar and writing music, I think his, it, the way he plays the horn saxophone is really, really great. And, um, not, he's great at all that other stuff too, but there's something about the way he hears things playing sax. It's just bizarre. And I, I mean, it's not foreign to me. It's not like I've never heard anybody play saxophone before. I'm like, Whoa, that's great. Like I have Ascension that you have on your back wall there. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I have <laughs> John Coltrane, ge- everyone, just for yeah. those who can't see what uh, Tim's yeah. referring to. I, I, little, yeah. <laughs> I have 40 John Coltrane records and that many Ornette records and that many, yeah. you know, uh, Andrew Hill records or whatever, Monk or whatever. So I know about all that stuff. Yeah. And I've listened to all those guys, but there's something about the way he does it that's really special. So we had that song Halloween on the record, and it's that's more Roxy than Bowie, I think, in the terms of the sound of it. But sure. so I'm like, well, it needs a horn. It needs like that Andy McKay kind of oboe thing or something in it. And no one around here jumped to mind. So I'm like, I wonder if Joel will play on it. So I told him that and that song Scent on the record, which Greg had already put trumpet on. I was like, both those could use horns. And I was like, 
I kind of want this one to be sort of a heavy metal version of Tusk or something. <laughs> it's scent. scent is a, I, sorry, and no pun intended. I think it's a centerpiece of the, the record. Yeah, 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 it's great. And uh, yeah. and a lot of a lot of it's due to Joel. But um, yeah. I just sent him the songs and he's like, oh, well, you know, I haven't really played. Um, this is all via email. He's like, I haven't really played in you know 10 years or something so um but yeah i always want to hear what you're doing so i sent him the songs and i didn't hear from him for like a month and a half in the meantime we're puttering around with the record and stuff and then he sends me these recordings and it's just him playing over the mp3s and it's fucking great you know (laughs) i'm like great can you send me these raw can you send me the tracks you know like i'm recording my voice right now separately can you did you do that can oh no these are just uh this is just, I just wanted you to hear kind of what I was huh. hearing. When I, and I was like, well, can you can you actually do it then? Because it sounds to me like you already did it. And uh, he's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. And then he would send me things that were like, if I use this mic, do you think it would work? I'm like, it's not going to matter. It's going to sound great. But yeah, that would work. And then he'd be like, oh, I did the whole thing, but the, you know, the fan was on or whatever. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Just send, you know. We record in the basement. There's HVAC sounds on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You know. So then a couple more months go by, and I'm like, ah, whatever. You know, I don't know if I'll get it or not because yeah. um, Joel wasn't playing much music, and he's still not. I don't think at the moment. It's a little bit elusive kind of, and enigmatic still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, he's like a healthy version of Skip Spence or something. You know. But um, <laughs> so uh, he, so, but then he sends me these tracks, and it just mind-blowing you know the stuff that he'd done and i cried a little bit and then i i like um told him like this is beautiful man you know i can't i can't believe you did this yeah and uh he sent me the broken down tracks and stuff and then we started working on folding it into the song and that that song sent in particular just changed the entire song the thing on halloween is base it's all surprising yeah. But the stuff on Halloween is the effect that I thought it would have. You know, it's this sort of like Roxy psychedelic furs kind of like use of the of the horn sound. But yeah. he just tra- he transformed that other song. Like the other song was cool, but it was so much dronier before. And then he like layered it in, and I don't even know what it is now. You know? Yeah. No, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, uh, again, this is also the product of having a record that's really thoughtfully mixed. Yeah. Uh, I think yep. that's some of the things we're talking about. It's not simply the choice, like the instrumental choices. It's where they land. Yeah. And how they affect the mood and tone of the record. So, and that song was not, um, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's there's, just it. And, but I, I, I feel like I'm getting yeah. a clarity and a definition of every Good. instrument, but it's not, Good. nothing's, it's just beautifully mixed, if I may. Um, yeah. So, no, that's lovely. Like I say, I think those of us who know your trajectory and relationship with, with Joel and are wondering what he's up to sometimes. Like, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just beautiful. Um, sorry, as you were speaking, I, I thought of something else that I don't know if it's going to resonate with you, but are you a particular, um, Eric Bachman or Archers of Loaf fan by you any know, chance? It's funny. I just saw him play solo. I'd never seen, I think we played with Archers one time in New York. If I'm not mistaken, it may have been like a CMJ thing or something, but, yeah. um, I just saw him play solo Jay Ryan, my friend Jay, who's in Dianoga, famous poster. Where you have a Jay Ryan poster on your back wall there. Um, I have a Jay Ryan poster there and a Jay Ryan poster there. Yeah, there, There's actually yeah, we got loads a Jay Ryan poster. 
I think in every room of our house. <laughs> it was unintentional. Yeah. But uh, yeah. we have three in my in our master yeah. bedroom. My wife has one over, over her desk that she loves. Yeah. There's a, a two in the basement, I think. And yeah, my yeah. son has one. And I did a favor for Jay in 2020, and he uh-huh. was so grateful that he sent me extra. I order things sometimes. Uh-huh. So my son, he's one of the things he sent was like a Tony Hawk uh-huh. skateboard poster. And, and at uh-huh. the, at my, so anyway, that's hanging in my everyone except maybe my daughter who makes her own art. And is very mm-hmm. territorial, mm-hmm. and so she's hung her own art. But I think every room basically yeah. has a Jay Ryan poster, and Jay has been on the show. Uh, sorry yeah. to cut you off. I just want to convey to you, no, I love Jay Ryan. And <laughs> thank you, thank you for noticing the art behind me. It's Jay, nice. Jay told me he was having this um, thing. It was uh, one of these like sort of living room show things. It was in the back of his print shop, and yeah. Eric was playing, and I didn't know him, and I hadn't you know seen Archer's of loaf play since the nineties. So I went, it was really good. And he's a very nice guy. I got a chance to talk to him and stuff and hang out. But I think that, you know, there's a commonality there. I think we probably have similar record collections. And <laughs> It's pretty, uh, I, I only thought of it because as I was pondering the title track, Rough Rider, it seems to me like something Eric would make on his own. And then oh, yeah. as we were talking Maybe. about scent, I hear like sorry. It's not. I don't usually like sorry if this is too whatever. And thank you for not being a jerk about. You think I just sound like all these other people, man? And I'm not trying to uh, well, say I, that. But one of my one of my one of the key realizations I've had in life is that I'm I'm not that special. So <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just that I uh, I like uh, you know as a music fan myself. I I sometimes this line of questioning can lead to. Oh yeah, I love them, and I and I go, oh, I love them too. This uh-huh. is great, and then you kind of yeah. have a little shared, you know. Yeah. And they'll say, oh, I wasn't listening at the time, but yeah, they're in there somewhere. So of course yeah. it's going to come out subconsciously or whatever. So right. and sometimes this leads to people being like, shit, I didn't even think of that. You're right, <laughs> you know these sorts of things. So sorry yeah. if I took us down a wrong road, but um, I'm just for those listening. There's there's lots of interesting vocal things happening on this record, and I I am fixated on them, and I'm sorry. Tim. No, that's great. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of great vocalists and people who stir things in me, Nina, mm-hmm. um, yeah. w- talk about having her on this record and the choice you made uh, to have her close out the record with this um, beautiful song. I hope it's different. Yeah. Well, I think she's brilliant, and I I first met Nina when um, I was in London to master uh, lifestyle. Silkworm's lifestyle record, and in one day at Abbey Road, it was that record, Shellac, Thousand Hertz, and Nina's record, Dogs, were all mastered on oh, the wow. same day. So it was a pretty good nice. day at Abbey Road. But um, I met her and her then partner, Ken, and, um, and loved them immediately. My wife was irritated because I would call and I'd be like, oh, these people. And she's like, oh, your new best friends. Yeah, yeah, you told me all about your new friends. And then she met them and thought they were great. So. I heard her record, and I remember this very vividly at Southern Studios because some mixing thing had to be done, or Steve had to sequence it. So we went to Southern, and I was like, I, you know, someone made a record, and it's called Dogs, and you're like, whatever. You know, everyone makes records. So, um, And I don't think Steve had yet trumpeted it to me. I don't think he'd gotten – I don't think we talked about it that much. And he starts playing this thing, and I was just like, what the – you know. Jesus Christ, like, this is incredible. 
you know? And I, I think I told her, I'm like, this record is amazing. She's like, Oh really? Oh, thanks. And I'm like, no, seriously. (laughs) Like I don't just like stuff, you know, this is like blowing my mind, you know? And then that's probably her. That's probably my third favorite record of hers or fourth or something, you know, like, you know, she's just eclipsed that a few times over, but, um, I just, I think she's really masterful. I think that she's like, just the sound of her voice is like Patsy Cline or something like that. And I, I don't think I'm overstating things. I think she has a really special. And uh, she's so unassuming account. about it. I, she was yeah. on the show last year, not, not too long ago, like six months, seven months ago. And mm-hmm. lovely conversation, a hard conversation for yes. those who uh, may not know that uh, her partner t- took his own life and it was mm-hmm. a very complicated relationship and uh yeah. we talked about that and she was very forthright and uh candid about it and i tried to be uh ginger about it and we corresponded just a little bit after i think she appreciated the talk and all those sorts of things but mm-hmm. i was left with like this is a genius who yeah is like not downplaying it but like clearly is a normal it's rare when you find like a genius person who's not like aware of it <laughs> Yeah, like, like not like yeah. it's not sort of in the aura of them like yeah so I, you know this is our projection too like holy shit this person's yeah. a genius so i'm gonna think of them yeah. as a genius whatever they say is genius but yeah. she's clearly a genius and is very down to earth we talked about dogs for like 15 minutes for crying out loud not the yeah. album actual dogs Actu- actual so <laughs> yeah. so anyway i just wanted to relate i i think she's both a lovely and a generous spirit and yeah. you're right her voice on a record where you've got a guy like yourself there singing all sorts of ways, including very gruffly, you mm-hmm. have this beautiful ray of, sorry, I don't want to be a Hallmark card about it, but she's, mm-hmm. it's a ray of light towards yeah. the end. And yet it's not necessarily, I hope it's different, sounds optimistic, but it's a heavy song. It is. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I knew she'd have the right touch. She was telling me when she was working, she's like, I'm really enjoying working on this because it's a, it's a, such a contrast to my record, which her last mm. record, which is like black as pitch. Yeah. And, um, I thought, well, it's not really a happy song. <laughs> you know, part of the reason I wanted her to sing it was I thought she could relate to it, you know, and she did. But, um, I had in mind a couple of people that I know women, her being one of them who have been through things where they had to get the fuck out, you know, and that's what the song is. And I thought putting it in that spot, I'm like, I can't sing. I can't, I can't do it. Like I could, but it's not going to resonate, you know, yeah. then it's just a guy, like the many facets of a guy, you know, and that's not what I wanted the record to be. I wanted it to be a kind of complete, complete thing about people more. So the fact that she agreed to do it was awesome. And then, it, you know, it worked out with timing and, She's a pro, so she did it in like three takes, you know. Yeah. And she actually she did a perfectly good take, and then she's like, "I think I I need to do it again," you know. And then she did the one that ended up being on the record that was the best one. So that's yeah. cool to hear, and it's striking to me the way you're telling the story. You're saying she had no lyrical input in the song. No, I I sort of I don't want to overstate it because a lot of different things go into whatever inspires these songs and stuff. But she was definitely on my mind, you know, on, on, in some way when I wrote it. Um, and I, I've never told her that cause she doesn't need to, you know, have that be thinking about that. I definitely didn't, wasn't going to tell her it before she went in to sing it. Cause I, she needs to just bring to it whatever she wants to bring to it, you know, but, uh, it was, 
clearly she tuned into it, you know, completely. I was, I, it's striking that this seemed based on my conversation with her, yeah. based on the last album, this has continuity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so and, too. And so, yeah. Yeah. And it's her kind of, a, it's a kind of song she would write. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, and I knew that on some level, it's basically yeah. just, a. um, kind of a country blues like um there's a Fleetwood Mac song Jumping at Shadows and it's sort of like that song yeah in my yeah. mind um but I knew it'd be great if I could get her to do it and um I knew she would want to do it and fortunately the timing worked out and she was able to come to the studio and knock it out well like I say it uh, like I said earlier rather I do it's it is Nina but I also think of Neil Young and Ben mm-hmm. Keith and and I think of the sound that they can they would draw out of each other for like a tender song like this. Yeah. One, so. And a lot of that yeah. is the, um, the string arrangement on that is particularly great. It's Susan yeah. Voles who plays with play dog pondering and stuff here. And Allison Chesley who plays music on her own is Helen money. That's really I love both of them. And, uh, Allison yeah. plays with this a, a bit now, but, um, and then, um, you know, that arrangement. And then also Justin Brown who plays steel, guitar and guitar in the band he's he's a very uh he's like joel when it comes to the steel like he just hears it differently than most people yeah and the stuff that he played that together with the strings on that i just i kept cutting my guitar part down the more we played it and then eventually i'm like i'm just gonna like be i'm gonna try to steve cropper it a little bit here in the background but i'm not (laughs) gonna step up to the front (laughs) at all because there's enough with the other you know people and the drumming's really great on it so the whole record is uh like i say it's one of my favorites uh and uh that's awesome i just want to yeah, congratulate good. you again it's 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 yeah. remarkable i i just i can't i cool. can't say enough about it and i know there's only limited copies so i'm gonna order one uh right after we're done i think there's 600 uh copies is that right yeah yeah i mean i imagine we would make more we'll make more if we need to at some point okay but, yeah but the last one sold out so you know we'll yeah i know that's why I'm, <laughs> I'm already worried because the, the comedy minus one uh website will do a great thing where it'll be like only 200 left only 206 left it's not even yeah. vague it's like yeah. some, they've got a counter every time someone yeah. orders one so yeah. yeah uh i alluded so yes obviously the record is out via comedy minus one uh as we're speaking uh uh, as Tim and I are speaking, rather, uh, the record is uh, not out yet. It's going to be out on February 23rd, I believe. Um, Tim, I want to ask you, you alluded to Instagram there earlier. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a couple of things. One, uh, obviously, where can people go to learn more about you and Mint Mile and anything else you want to uh, allude to now? And then future plans. Uh, I usually wrap this up by asking if you've got uh, uh, new songs you're working on, um, mm-hmm. There seem to be some Silkworm archival releases that come out sporadically. Yeah. Anything anything forthcoming in 2024 that you want to talk about? And then also, as I say, where can people go to learn more about uh, your comings and goings? Can you do yeah. uh, both of those things for me? Sure. Right <laughs> as far as our comings and goings, I don't know. where We haven't played since early July, which is strange. But we've been working on new stuff, and I, we have a whole record ready to go, basically. That we'll oh, probably, great. We'll probably get that done we're going to try to record it by the end of April. So, but yeah, so there's a whole nother albums or the stuff ready kind of to, um, do there. And really if people followed me on Instagram, just under my name, mid yet Tim, I think it is, or mm-hmm. there is a band Instagram and every now and then I'll put something on there, <laughs> but I'm more reliable than I've thought about just giving up on the band one, honestly. Um, 
Yeah. Cause I'm just pretty lame about it. But, uh, the comedy minus one website is good or, um, or band camp, John Solomon at the label maintains the band camp and does a good job okay. with that. But, um, um, yeah. What was the other thing? No, that was, that was it. But where, where can people go? Oh, and what are you future, doing? future, future. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So Silkworm, there's, um, a developer is going to come out at some point, which was the second record we made for Matador. And then after that, Firewater will come out, which oh, okay. was the first record we made with Matador. So those will be on the way. I play in a band called Deep Tunnel Project with um, John Moore and Mike Greenlees from Tar. And this guy, Jeff Dean, who's a really great uh, guitar player, punk rock guitar player that is in a bunch of bands. But um, that record will be out next month, too. And that's a really good album. And then, you know, we'll get this next Mint Mile one out. Like I alluded to earlier, I'm not getting any younger. So, you know, it's like <laughs> Werner Herzog used to take years and years to make movies. And now he just craps them out like every yeah. six months. And someone asked him about it. And he's like, well, I've got too many backed up. Like, there's yeah, no yeah, way I'm yeah. going to get through them all. I have to, I have to cut corners. Like, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I can't. So I don't think I'm quite at the cutting corners stage yet. So I, I will right. not be releasing the iPhone demos as a finished album yet but maybe in a few years we'll get to that point (laughs) and any any other road work for you i know you play with other people uh i'm hoping that we will be playing some shows i hate booking shows i really hate it yeah so you know last summer we got this deal playing a bunch of shows with the mountain goats that was great i do contact clubs sometimes to book stuff i just have to get my shit together and do it the problem one of the problems with me is i love practicing like for me, practicing is like it's my favorite thing about being in a band, practically. Yeah. So um, that is good because it's very easy to practice. Usually, all you got to do is get the band together. Yeah. But in terms of us getting getting things together to uh, to to play in front of people, sometimes it's a little uh, it, you know involved or seems involved to me. Yeah. But I have I did play a bunch with Sun, the band Sun, in twenty nineteen. Which was awesome. Those guys have been playing just the two of them as a duo. Oh, okay. To That's, great to yeah. to great effect yeah. for the last year or two. So um, I don't know if that'll go on forever or not. But okay, uh, yeah. You know, I'm hope I'm hoping I'll get to be on stage for the maelstrom of being in Sun again at some point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was I was alluding to that quietly but i wasn't sure what the status is okay so yeah yeah he's keeping yourself busy that's great well again i yeah. commend you on this beautiful album i wonder if we can go out on Thanks. a song from it for people to hear oh, uh, yeah. and if so can you choose one and tell us why it came to mind oh gosh um hmm well yeah it's, it's kind of tough right there's all sorts of different songs on it mm-hmm. there's a song on the record called interpretive overlook that is um pretty bare bones song but there's something about it that uh i really like and um it's a little there's a little bit of perfect day in there um absolutely song perfect day but not quite as produced as perfect day and it definitely has loose vocal inflection and stuff in it i like that song a lot it's kind of i don't know maybe not everybody's pick or you could play halloween which i think is you know you get the joel phelps experience a little bit I'm happy to play interpret. Where did we land on interpretive overlook? Was that the first thing you said? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. We can play a little bit of Joel era oriented 
music in the intro just to give people a flavor for gotcha. how clean. Cool. So I'll do I'll do that. But um, yeah, you know what? You mentioned "Perfect Day" by Lou. I was walking home. Something about your record has got me singing Lou songs out loud to yeah. myself. Good. And uh, "Pale Blue Eyes" for some reason. Oh, great! I don't know why. I was walking with my daughter from school, and I just started sort of you know whatever quietly humming and singing uh, that. So. I don't know. I, I'm sorry to be so whatever about it, but your album is going to get me on a Lou kick. Well, well that's good. So. I got I actually just got a text the other. It's it's more pronounced. I mean, Velvets are my favorite band, so whatever. But um, yeah, I got a text from a friend of mine who uh, works at Reckless Records here the other day, and he's like, sent me a picture of Developer, the Silkworm album, and uh, the CD of it. He's like, I was just playing this in the store. And Anthony asked me if it was the new Lou Reed. <laughs> and <laughs> so I he's said, there. I, I yeah. said, I said, that's, a, I'll take that as a compliment hundred times out okay. of a hundred, even if it's meant to be an insult. <laughs> it's not an insult at all. I, I think I'm just being careful because you don't want to suggest that someone is uh copping someone else. But I, I just, I feel like I said earlier, I think these are just nice. Uh, it's nice that musicians you love are music fans. Yeah, and yeah. and we all are, right? And whoever makes music has got to have started somewhere and has influences, and some obviously wear them really uh, on their sleeve, and others it's just in there. It's part of their marrow. It's part of them. Yeah, and that's where I would suggest Lou is for you. He's just in yeah. there somewhere. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I've absorbed all of that stuff at a very very deep level. I actually yeah. um, just last thing I was. I watched the Todd Haynes documentary on the Velvets a little while ago. And um, Todd Haynes is one of my favorite directors. So I was psyched he made that movie and it's great and stuff. But the um, splash screen for it was a picture of them sitting around and I was looking at it and I was like, holy shit, Sterling has my guitar (laughs) in that. And the guitar is this ancient Kent guitar. So it's this Japanese brand from the sixties, like, this very particular weird looking guitar that says Kent on the headstock. And it and it's the exact same, precise same guitar that I bought like thirty some years ago because I like the way it sounded. Oh weird. Know? And that's probably around the time I was like obsessed with the first Velvet's record. <laughs> and I looked it up, I had no idea and they're like, Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's all over the first the first Weird. record. So, so there's, yeah. I've heard of kinship. I've never heard of kinship. Uh, that's amazing. That's weird. Uh, yeah, but yeah, clearly, you, clearly you're, you know, it's one of those things. I bet if you uh, were born at the right time, you might've been friendly with those folks. You maybe, seem to have a yeah. lot, lot, lot in common, maybe. Maybe that's yeah. presumptuous, but I got a feeling about that. Anyway, this is a wonderful song called Interpretive Overlook uh, from the uh, brilliant new Mint Mile record, uh, Rough Rider. Uh, Tim, always a pleasure uh, to ha- to speak with you. I- I'm always honored that you well, make same. time to be on my my little show here. So thanks for this, and uh, I hope to talk to you again. And, and best of luck in the future. Right on. Thanks a lot.
You gotta see it's all posed to get what I want To be what you want me to be I've been easily Buried beneath life It's nice to have Tim on the show, and I love this new Mint Mile album so much, as you heard me gush quite a bit. It's called Rough Rider, so I hope you'll check it out. I hope you enjoyed that song you just heard. And thanks again to Tim for appearing on this, the 840th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available just about wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, uh, please visit vishkana.com. Also, since I, I've got your attention, if you don't mind, uh, I don't normally ask for these things anymore, but uh, there's some chicanery, monkey business, hooliganism going on uh, as I'm speaking to you with like the Apple podcast chart, and I don't know what's, my show's usually on there, and I don't, it's just that people will find it, maybe, I don't know who's looking at these charts, but I also find it a little sus. Anyway, if you can leave a rating or a review, positive, if possible, of Creative Control on your podcasting app that might actually help uh, increase its uh, visibility on the platform you use so sorry to talk all businessy but you know i don't know i'm on my own here doing my best and could use your help i'm not on my own i got you you help i know you help i know you are you're always helping thank you speaking of which you can like uh, or follow creative control and me on various social media platforms facebook twitter instagram blue sky threads i'm not out yet there's a link that says follow Vish online. Just click on that and you can figure out where to follow me. Uh, also, please, it's very important if you, if you can, visit patreon.com slash creative control. Make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. That is the primary source of income in my life. 
right now. I don't have another job. And uh, there's perks at almost every tier at this point. Uh, the $4 tier a month, you get uh, ad-free episodes and you get them earlier than everybody else. At the $6 tier, you get bonus content. And then at the $10 tier, you enter uh, you get all of that stuff, plus uh, you enter uh, the monthly draw thing, the random monthly draws for prize packs and in, as I'm speaking to you uh, it's almost wrapping up by the end of February I'll be giving away a nice prize pack uh, courtesy of Merge Records and uh, yeah if you want to learn about all those things and honest to goodness support me and my work and my life please uh, do so at patreon.com slash creative control thank you so much I also want to thank uh, the uh, fine Alberta record store Blackbird Music bricks and mortar locations and Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, but you can learn more about them at blackbird.ca. also want to thank uh, independent businesses like Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks to Jim Guthrie for lending me music that you can uh, you hear on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Tim from Mint Mile. I hope you'll check out that new album and subscribe to this podcast and tell all your friends all about it. And who knows, if dreams come true, maybe John Solomon from Comedy Minus One and I will enjoy a slice of pizza trocadero in Guelph someday. It's, it's destiny. Anyway, I'll talk to you very soon. Bye for now. <laughs>